the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Law Offices of Selwyn Whitehead is a debt relief agency under federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking debt relief under the United States Bankruptcy Code. This is Selwyn's Law. Every week at this time, we get to hear from Selwyn Whitehead. She's not just an attorney at law. Selwyn knows her stuff and doesn't shy away from the truth, even when it's ugly. Her Bay Area practice focuses on helping her clients to manage their wealth through estate and tax planning, to managing their debt through reconstruction or bankruptcy. And now, it's time for Selwyn's Law. Good day. I'm Selwyn Whitehead. I'm a California Bar-admitted Bankruptcy Law Certified Specialist. I've been certified by the State Bar of California's Board of Legal Specialization. And I also am a tax attorney with a legal master's degree in the laws of taxation and intellectual property. And this is Selwyn's Law. As such, I practice bankruptcy, dealt wealth management, estates and trusts, real estate and taxation law. So I'm pleased to once again come to you today from the beautiful KFAX studios in the San Francisco Bay Area to discuss some financial issues confronting families and small business owners. Please note that this show does not provide legal advice, nor am I developing an attorney-client relationship with anyone within the sound of my voice. Instead, The purpose of this show is to strive strictly as an education form and to allow for the exchange of information that might be helpful to you to begin your search for more detailed information that is tailored to your specific set of facts and circumstances and to help provide you with an outline of the issues that may help you seek out qualified professional help. So today we're going to discuss continue our discussion on Bankruptcy 101. To recap, in our first show, I gave you all my definition of bankruptcy and explained why bankruptcy law is so important and necessary in the proper functioning of our capitalistic market-based economy. In essence, bankruptcy law acts as the safety valve that gives entrepreneurs and individuals the freedom to take risks and to take on the aspects of starting a business and starting family units with the knowledge that if they run into financial stress, that is the result of an honest miscalculation of a business risk or the downturn in the economy or a marketplace that causes financial distress or the taking on of risks involved in purchasing a home or a car or in some instances underwriting a formal education for themselves or their children, and as long as taking on those economic risks and financial stress that results was not manipulated or calculated to perpetrate a fraud on their creditors, 
Our government has set up a constitutionally-based legal procedure that may give an honest owner of these businesses and the honest leaders of these families a chance to start afresh without the burden of unwieldy, overwhelming debt that tends to destroy the quality of their lives. You see, the bankruptcy process also gives the debtor's creditors some assurance that they will receive their fair share of the debtor's non-exempt assets, even if that fair share sometimes means the creditors take nothing. You can find my November 10, 2018 podcast that discuss this topic on Selwyn's Law at, uh, at the section of KFAX where you find the podcast. Then last week in part two, I began our discussion of the key players in the bankruptcy process and gave you an overview of some of their functions. I discussed the kinds of debtors that can file for bankruptcy as long as they are legal persons, including the fact that Chapter 7s and Chapter 11 debtors can be individuals or corporations or partnerships or trusts or nonprofit organizations such as a church or an unincorporated association such as a homeowners association. And I compared that to a Chapter 13 process. They are limited to individuals with regular income, and that income is capped by statute. And there are also Chapter 12s, and they are limited to small family farmers or small family fisher persons, and they can be owned either by individuals or corporations. And for eligibility purposes, Chapter 12 debtors are also capped as to their income. Then I also share with you the fact that some corporations are not eligible to file for bankruptcy, usually for some stated public policy reason determined by our Congress, as is the case with insurance companies because of an agreement by the states and Congress after World War II where they agreed that all matters concerning the business of insurance, including solvency monitoring, asset reserving regulations, financial rehabilitation, and winding down of insurers that don't make it, were and remain the purview of and are to be dealt with solely by the elected or appointed insurance commissioners of the several states. The agreement conducting themselves to insurance companies also sometimes deals with some other special kinds of entities, such as uh, the operation of railroads and entities that trade stock. They, too, are precluded from filing bankruptcy, and there are separate uh, Congress-mandated processes for them, these companies to deal with their rehabilitation or liquidation. And then I also discuss the fact that A municipality, which means a political subdivision or public agency or instrumentality such as a city or a town or a county or a school district or a special taxation entity such as a water or fire suppression district, can also file for bankruptcy. However, they can do so if and only if they receive permission from their upstream sovereign, such as the state of California. These municipalities file under a special provision of the bankruptcy code known as Chapter 9. I then went on to cover the next group of players, 
the debtor's creditors. These are the entities to whom the debtor owes money or some form of equity or some form of tangible in, or intangible economic value, such as a judgment or a lien or the contract value of intellectual property, and who, as a result of the debtor's default on that obligation, those creditors need and want to be repaid. There is a public policy-based hierarchical pecking order in the bankruptcy code that dictates the priority in which a creditor gets repaid. With that proxy, that pecking order, that proxy for how much a creditor gets paid or repaid, if at all, in bankruptcy. And then I ended our discussion with the role of the debtor's attorney, whose job is to help shepherd the debtor through the bankruptcy process, a process that's fraught with procedural booby traps that may overwhelm even the most intelligent debtor that takes on his case or her case on his or her own without, an allure, without a lawyer helping them. Again, I state that because of the complicated nature of this rule-based legal process, that is to say federal bankruptcy, filled with sometimes contradictory requirements and procedures, not having a competent bankruptcy counsel, in my opinion, is a recipe for failure, similar to taking a butter knife to a gunfight. If you're lucky, you might leave a mark on your opponent, or you might even poke her in the eye if you get close enough, but in the end, you'll be financially dead. So it's not a good idea. You'll find my November 17th, 2018 podcast that discusses these issues at the Selwyn's Law section on the KFAX website. So this week, we're going to continue to provide you with an overview of the key players in bankruptcy. And, you know, if we have time, we'll go on to some of the select functions just to give you a, a good idea. And if we have time, I'll give you a high-level overview of the bankruptcy proceeding and highlight some of the key procedures. So uh, let's talk about the remaining players in the bankruptcy process. They are the creditor's attorney, then there's the bankruptcy court, and I break that down into the bankruptcy judge and the judge's staff that helps her analyze the legal issues in the debtor's case. Then there's also the Office of the United States Trustee, and that organization is a subunit of the Department of Justice who is responsible for maintaining the integrity of the bankruptcy process. So if you don't do right in bankruptcy, the Department of Justice cops might come after you. Then there's a series of court-appointed fiduciaries who are charged with administering each type of bankruptcy case. For example, there's a Chapter 7 trustee if you're in a Chapter 7 liquidating case. And a liquidating case is one where the goal is to get a discharge if you're an individual, and you do that by turning over your non-exempt assets to this liquidating trustee whose job is to go out and uh, liquidate the assets, that is to say get the best price for the assets and um, use the income derived to pay your creditors on some kind of pecking order established by the bankruptcy court. 
And if there's anything left over, that'll come back to you, the debtor. And if you're an individual, you'll get a discharge, meaning that you won't be responsible for any of the debts that uh, you were not able to pay, even if the liquidating trustee was unable to give your creditor anything at all. So the discharge is the goal for an individual who files a Chapter 7. Corporations can file for Chapter 7 as a way to liquidate their debt and wind down a corporation that's not successful. That corporation won't get a discharge, but it really doesn't matter. As long as the debts are liquidated, the owners of the corporation will not be charged with paying back the debt. Then there's a Chapter 13 trustee whose job is to administer a Chapter 13 case, and that is to say pay the debts of the debtor. So we're going to take a short break, and when I come back, we'll go over some of these players in greater detail. Back to Selwyn's Law. Once again, your host, Selwyn Whitehead. Welcome back to Selwyn's Law. I'm your host, Selwyn Whitehead. And let's continue our discussion and examination of the key players in bankruptcy. The next key player or um, players are the creditor's attorneys. And generally, they're multiple attorneys. Their job is to zealously represent their clients, and sometimes their zealousness results in throwing sand in the works of the bankruptcy from the debtor's perspective. Sometimes the creditor's attorney has a goal of either having the debtor's case dismissed altogether, if the attorney can prove to the court that the debtor's pre-filing actions were in bad faith, or at the very least, the creditor's attorneys are interested in obtaining as many concessions as they can from the debtor such that their creditor clients are made as whole as possible at the end of the debtor's bankruptcy process. If the debtor has many creditors, and most do, the debtor should expect each creditor to have its own set of lawyers. This because unlike most individual debtors who may represent themselves in federal court without a lawyer, most creditors or corporations or other business entities that must be represented by counsel in order to even speak in federal court. So again, I say this and I keep saying this because you're going to be coming up against a lawyer and I'm going to tell you this, everybody in bankruptcy court besides you is going to be a lawyer. Judges are lawyers. Their staffs are lawyers. The creditors' counsels are lawyers. And sometimes the, uh, the creditor is a lawyer himself. So as a debtor, you really need to feel comfortable around legal procedures and the legal process or if you're you're going to represent yourself, or you really do need to find competent counsel. Again, not having competent bankruptcy counsel, in my opinion, is a recipe for failure, similar to taking a butter knife to a gunfight. 
The next key player is the bankruptcy court. First up is the judge. Bankruptcy judges are Article I judges, meaning that these judges spring to life and derive their power through Congress from Article I, Section 8 of the United States Constitution, which authorizes Congress to enact uniform laws on the subject of bankruptcies. There are bankruptcy courts in each federal judicial district in the country. Each state has one or more federal districts. There are 90 bankruptcy districts across the country, and bankruptcy judges are the court official with a decision-making power over federal bankruptcy cases. And because they are not Article III judges who have lifetime tenure, these United States bankruptcy judges are appointed to a 14-year term as judicial officers of the United States District Court to which they are appended. So again, the district court has a subunit, and these are the bankruptcy courts, and the bankruptcy courts are appended to the district court. A bankruptcy judge may decide almost any matter connected with a bankruptcy case, such as the debtor's eligibility to file or whether a debtor should receive his or her discharge at the end of the bankruptcy case. And if there's litigation concerning the pre-bankruptcy actions of the debtor or her creditors that may be approximate cause of landing the debtor in bankruptcy in the first instance, these judges may preside over some or all of the proceedings or hearings concerning the issues that are to be litigated in those matters. For example, if a creditor can prove that the debtor has filed her case simply to delay the creditor from exercising her legal state rights in state court, such as to foreclose upon a piece of real property, and the debtor has no hope of curing the default because, say, the debtor lacks sufficient income to cure the default and or the debtor is a serial bankruptcy filer, that is to say someone who continually files for bankruptcy and then they don't complete the process, the case gets dismissed, the lender goes back to foreclose, the debtor files another bankruptcy, and the case gets dismissed. So that's a sign of uh, a debtor acting in bad faith in the current case. The procedure to determine the facts of the debtor's intent and her ability to fund a plan of debt rehabilitation would be a mini-trial known as a contested matter. And that contested matter would be presided over by the bankruptcy judge. These mini-trials are very important in that they may lead to the courts lifting the stay and allowing the creditor to complete the foreclosure, notwithstanding the fact that the debtor is still in bankruptcy. However, if the purpose of filing the bankruptcy is to cure a, a, a default on a mortgage loan and the stay gets lifted and the creditor can proceed with the foreclosure, there might not be any use or reason for the debtor to stay in bankruptcy. So as a result of this mini-trial, the debtor might ultimately have her case dismissed without receiving a discharge of any of her other debts. Again, 
this is points to the fact that a debtor does need counsel to advise her on how to deal with a situation where her creditor might actually uh, allege that she has acted in some untoward fashion in order to seek and gain the protection of the bankruptcy court. Also, in some instances, bankruptcy judges will find herself providing over a full-blown federal lawsuit, also known as an adversary proceeding, where the debtor challenges the legal basis of a creditor's claim or where the creditor claims that the debtor should not receive a discharge at all for the debt in question because of some pre-filing act of the debtor that harm the creditor, such as obtaining credit from a bank for a business loan by fraud. Bankruptcy judges are impaneled by the federal court that is associated with the federal district court covering the geographical area where either the debtor resides if she's filing as an individual or if the debtor is a business where one of the debtor's principal places of business is located or where the debtor was incorporated. For example, say if the debtor is an individual and has a home that she resides in in Oakland and a second piece of real property that she owns and rents out as income-producing property in Sacramento, and the Sacramento property is facing foreclosure, if it makes sense to file a Chapter 13 as opposed to some other kind of bankruptcy for reorganization purpose, to use the automatic stay to stop the foreclosure and attempt to catch up with her missed mortgage payments while under the protection of the bankruptcy court, unless there's some factor limiting her choice of forum, the debtor can file her case either in bankruptcy court in the Northern District of California, Oakland Division, where she resides, or in the bankruptcy court of the Eastern District of California, Sacramento Division, where her income property is located. Also, judges have staffs, and they play a key role in the bankruptcy process. There's a lot of work involved in overseeing a court, any court, but because the bankruptcy may involve almost any kind of debtor-creditor relationship, every kind of asset, from real estate to stocks and bonds to trademarks, or any kind of legal dispute, including assets in a family law matter, such as a divorce, or dealing with a revocable or irrevocable trust where the debtor might simultaneously be the beneficiary of their late parent's trust, the bankruptcy judge needs one or more legal assistants and law clerks to help her ferret out and go through all the facts related to the various matters the judge may need to determine in the debtor's case. The judge also needs one or more courtroom deputies to schedule cases and matters and supervise the court reporting system that are needed to record each and every word spoken in open court while the court is in session. That because this might come as a surprise to you and it might be a hard burn to some of you Bankruptcy, like all other federal matters, are public, and it's important that the public have faith and confidence in the process. And one way to maybe not guarantee, but at least hopefully guarantee that 
everyone knows what's going on is because it's an open and public process. Many people cite this as a reason for not filing for bankruptcy. They don't want their neighbors to know. They don't want the world to know that they filed for bankruptcy. And what I tell them is this. The president of the United States has filed for bankruptcy more than one time, and he is not shy about it. So why should you, who's trying to keep your family together, keep a roof over your head, and provide for your children, or you small business owner who's employing maybe not a whole lot of people, but at least your family, why should you allow your embarrassment to stop you from gaining the relief that might keep your family or your business together? So till next time, take care. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Selwyn's Law. Remember, the law office of Selwyn Whitehead is a designated debt relief agency under the federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking relief under the bankruptcy code. When it comes to your finances and your rights, seek no other than the law office of Selwyn Whitehead. Selwyn is your go-to finance attorney, specializing in estate planning, wealth management, bankruptcy, tax, and real estate law. In other words, Selwyn knows her way around the dollar, and your rights are protected by our laws. Protect your money. Know your rights. Partner with Selwyn Whitehead. For immediate assistance, or if you have questions, call 510-633-1276, 510-633-1276, or go to selwynwhitehead.com. The preceding paid program is sponsored by the law office of Selwyn Whitehead, who is solely responsible for its content. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.